0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Redemption Church in Red Deer, Alberta. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at redemptionreddeer.ca. Everyone open up to Daniel chapter 9. It's where it will primarily be. You got the major prophets... Isaiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. So Daniel chapter 9 here in a moment. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be in these messages kind of like uh, lumped together called, O Lord, Renew Us. I'm going to explain what that means in a moment. And then from there, we're going to be uh, starting in the gospel according to Luke. And basically, it's kind of like as I looked at starting Luke, like Christmas is a coming. And, uh, and I'm like, well we want to talk about the birth of Christ, Luke chapter 2, and then kind of started working our way back. There was a gap of two weeks in terms of other messages. I'm like, well, what do I share in those messages? And, oh, uh, Lord, renew us is part of my heart. I wonder if we could just kind of turn off the lights a little bit here as well as I preach. I don't know, my, I'm getting older, and I'm like, I just need more light. <laughs> Truth be told. Uh, so why, oh, Lord, renew us? Well, when we were in First Kings uh, chapter 18, even in the summer, there's this like battle between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And, and Elijah says, if, if, if it's Baal, be all in with Baal. If it's the Lord, follow the Lord with all your heart. There's all these call again in scripture, like be all about following the Lord continually before us. Oh Lord, renew us. And even if we went on with 1 Kings 18, which we didn't, as we continue on in the story, wicked King Ahab of Israel at a time actually repented. He didn't like end up following the Lord, but for a moment he repented of his sins. Amazing. We were in Jonah in spring. And if you remember this, the, the mission of Jonah to go to the evil Ninevites who actually like were so known for um, killing and destruction, they're the ones who first came up with what later became the cross. They would impale their victims on a stick. Like they were so brutal. So when Jonah was told go to the Ninevites, he's like, no way, Lord. They're our enemies. They're wicked. But in Jonah's... Uh, message the Ninevites repented the wickedness of that uh, society for a moment they repented later on judgment came upon them so it's it's amazing what we see in in scripture oh there we go oh there we go there we go <laughs> now if I if I miss say something it's on me for sure let there be light and so, why, why also, not only because of renewal uh, within what we see in the nations, but also because we all need uh, more renewal, revival, a closer walk with God. I hope to periodically bring these messages before you, before me, God to warm our hearts again. So, this week we'll be in, in Daniel 9, next week we'll be in Psalm 85. The heart of this message, the title is How to Pray for Canada. You're going to see why that is here as we go on. I just want to highlight it, well, why pray for Canada? These are, are tough times. There's a darkness spiritually in our land. There's a darkness in our land. Just think about this with me, just our more recent history here, just for a moment. July 20th, 2005, we redefined marriage. We said, God, okay, in, in the sixth day of creation, you define marriage between a man and a woman. We know better. On October 17th, 2018, we uh, legalized marijuana. It's, and I guess since that time, it's added $43 billion to our gross domestic product. Like praise the Lord, we, we became drug dealers, <laughs> right? That's what we're, we're celebrating. We have a culture of death from the youngest to the oldest, right? The youngest, like the, it's hard to find the averages, but like 90, 90,000 babies aborted every year. Just a little, we can't even grasp that. From the youngest to the oldest, of course, this program made medical assistance in dying, like they gave it a name, helping people commit suicide. This re- report, I think it was in, in 2022, it just, it's listed in, in 2022, uh, over 13,000 people received MAID. They were helped to kill themselves. There's a 31% jump from what happened in 2021. I guess since uh, it has been open since 2016, over almost 45,000 people have been helped to kill themselves. And the parameters kind of keep expanding on what you need to meet in order to like, hey, yeah, we'll help you. Just think about that. Most cultures care for their elderly. We kill ours. The list goes on, but it's actually harder and harder to find facts and stats about what's happening in our country because we're censoring the internet and the information that we have. I don't know if you're aware of that. What do you do? Where, where do you go? It can be hopeless if you list more and more things. But of course, I think the, the first thing is pray hope in God. Like, do we, we believe in prayer. So like the more things we see happening in our country is to drive us more and more to pray for God to turn his mercy toward our nation, to hear our prayers for Canada. I want us to see this prayer in Daniel and to work through it, learn from it allow, it, allow this prayer of Daniels to guide our prayers for Canada. We're going to kind of see a simple list put forward, I believe. And I, I like simple. My wife was just gone to the Women's Conference, which I heard was an amazing time, a bunch of ladies getting together from all the different Great Commission collective churches, that's a mouthful <laughs> in Canada. And so I, was, I had to cook at home. And I am not a chef by any means, shape, or form. And so I just had to make pancakes. And it was like the simple ones, like you literally just add water to a mix. and you, It's hard to mess that up. You still could. But I, I like the simplicity of it. So honestly, as we're, we're going to work through Daniel, and we're just going to keep pulling things. And like, as we pray for Canada, make sure have this. Yeah, hold to this. Believe this. Do this. And we're just going to make a little list that we can help us, guide us as we pray for our nation. And I hope it can be uh, simple, though it is heavy. And so if you guys want to stand with me, we're all going to read Daniel chapter 9, a, little, a lengthy passage of his prayer, Daniel 9, 1 to 19. In the year of Darius, the son of Aharsers, by descent Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes i prayed to the lord my god and made confession saying "O lord the great and awesome god who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turning aside from your commandments and rules we have not listened to your servants the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, for those who are near, those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, And have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which he set before us by his servants the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity, for under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by our truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity, has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice." And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned and we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. How to pray for Canada. I'm just going to go to the Lord again in prayer, if you'll bow with me. Oh God, what a, what a prayer of Daniel, Lord. What a, a message you've laid upon my heart, I, I ask. Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, you give me clarity, you give me conviction, you'd give us ears to hear, O Lord. Are that what you'd say to us from this passage here this morning. I pray, Lord, for everyone uh, that we would have an increasing burden for our nation, Lord. For those who maybe who don't have it, may it be a spark. For those who do, may it increase uh, the flame, the the fire, Lord. That but this would drive us to prayer. This would drive us to you. Oh God, with expectancy that only you can change it, O oh Lord. And so I pray even this, this message this morning would help give us faith uh, in you and, and your ways. And we would trust you, whatever you would choose to do, O oh Lord. But we're, I, I'm just, even in this message, Lord, we're crying out to you for your mercy. So Lord, use this word this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just as we get into the book of Daniel... Uh, Just an introduction for you, of course, it's a prophetic book, one of the major prophets we say in division, more because of size, not because of importance, and there's the 12 minor prophets, all very important, but smaller, uh, mostly. Uh, So uh, the book of Daniel is kind of like historical narrative, chapters 1 to 7, it's uh, prophecy, chapters 8 to 12. That's not entirely true. It actually kind of mixes together. But Daniel, uh, as we kind of jump into this section, Daniel has been taken from his homeland with many other Jews, him and his friends, in 605 B.C. by King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, They were put into exile, and of course, uh, they were brought into the king's service. You can read that in Daniel chapter 9. They were teenagers at that point. At this point in Daniel chapter 9, though, it's taking place much later. It's around 539 B.C., Daniel could be in his early 80s at this point. And uh, just even as we, as we start, just kind of still a little bit of background, it says in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a fun word to say, uh, a <laughs> fun name to say, that's actually a Hebrew rendering of a Persian word. Uh, the Greek is Xerxes. And uh, I think it's significant, though, it's in the reign of Darius, which I'd actually say is also Cyrus, King Cyrus, Uh, that it's uh, seemingly like two names. Maybe one's a throne name, one's maybe a name that the Persians use, maybe one's a name that the the Babylonians use, they use there. But I'd say that uh, Darius and Cyrus are are the same. Uh, And so this is when Daniel starts to read this book. Chronologically took place after Daniel chapter five. Could have been before or after Daniel six in the lion's den. But again, I hope we want to learn from Daniel's prayer, what was his focus? Apply it to our own prayers for Canada. Encouragement, I want to share with you guys what God has done in the past and hopefully give us hope and faith uh, for the future. So again, so starting our list, like how to pray for Canada, like the simplicity, I made the pancakes. I hope this is going to be very simple for us. But I think the first important part part you want to have, look at verse 1 with me. We need to know that God is sovereign over rulers, we need to know this, that God is sovereign over rule, rulers. Again, in verse 1, in the first year of Darius, Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Why is that important? This is partially, we need to know, it's fulfilling Daniel's previous vision. In Daniel chapter 2, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, that would be the Babylonian king. He had a dream of this statue, or this man, and whose like, who's head or The top part was gold, kind of midsection silver, then bronze, and then iron, and then iron and clay mixed together represented the nations of the world. The top would have been Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Now at this time, as Daniel is uh, in the reign of Darius, now this is a Persian king. This is the second part of the vision that Daniel had seen. They're already moving away uh, from the great Babylonians. They have now been conquered, and now the next group is in charge. Even as Daniel is going to explain this vision to Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, Daniel says this, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. God is over rulers. Again, I just want to remind you again, too, another passage, Isaiah chapter 40, uh, 21 to 24. Isaiah says this. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out The heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. I'm just pointing out to you that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. God is sovereign over rulers. We get this in the Old Testament, we see this played out. By sovereign, I mean he's in control. He's in control of who leads and when, even allowing and using wicked men to do terrible things to, for God to accomplish his plans and purposes. Think about, we see that in Jesus Christ, allowing King Herod to rule, Pontius Pilate, the crowd, the religious rulers, wanting to crucify the king. And God yet used that to bring about redemption. But God is sovereign over these These rulers. Right? So we see that in the Old Testament, we can understand that kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, God's sovereign over rulers. Do we believe it today? Is God sovereign over our rulers, our government? We trust that He is, but we need to know that before we go on, that God is sovereign over our rulers. So that's one part as we go to prayer. The next one we want to see in verse 2, Daniel's prayer and ours need to be Scripture-led. Scripture-led needs to be Scripture-led. Daniel 9, verse 2, in the, year of his, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. What, what was Daniel doing here? What are the, the books? He was reading the Scripture available to him. He had a scroll of jeremiah like it's interesting so he's reading jeremiah which was actually their contemporaries like but it's interesting that jeremiah's ministry maybe ended in 580 again this is like 538 he already had a scroll that he was reading of jeremiah and as he's reading he's understanding more of what has happened or what's going to happen right so Jerusalem was already destroyed, 587 B.C. by the Babylonians, God's judgment on a rebellious people. And then everyone was, was kicked out. But Jeremiah wrote, I, I think maybe he was reading Jeremiah 25. I'm just going to turn there, Jeremiah 25, 11 to 12. He could have been reading somewhere else as well. I'm going to show you. And as he's reading Jeremiah, he's, they're in exile And it says this, Jeremiah 25, 11 and 12. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste. These nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So maybe he was reading here and he's like, oh, it says 70 years. He's doing the calculations like, okay. It has been about 70 years. He also could have been reading, I just want to point out, uh, Jeremiah 29.10. And you'll see why I pointed out here in a second. Jeremiah 29 is uh, Jeremiah's letter to the exiles who are in Babylon. In Jeremiah 29.10 it says this, Thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. The reason I'm pointing out Jeremiah 29.10 because we know Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. In the context, who is that written to? It's written to those in Babylon who are exiled. God's like, hey, yeah, your, your whole country has perished because of your sin. While you're waiting here, I have plans for you. And so I just wanted to point out that, that Jeremiah 29.11 is for the exiles in uh, Babylon to return. So he was maybe reading either section, but when he read it, he's like, oh, the 70 years is almost finished. Lord, you're gonna, I think you're going to return us soon. And so scripture was leading his prayer. That's the big thing I want you to notice. Scripture was leading Jeremiah's prayer. That's a pattern we need to follow. Just think as we read scripture, even as we looked at just a few weeks ago, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority in heaven And on earth has been given me, so therefore go uh, to the nations, or go and make disciples of all nations, sorry, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have this command from the Lord, and so we pray, knowing, Lord, you want to use us to reach people with the gospel and, and make disciples. So we have this promise, so we're praying, Lord, like wherever, we're here in Red Deer in central Alberta, and your plan is to disciple people that they would come to faith in Christ and be baptized. And so, Lord, is there someone here that needs to know you? Is someone that in my family that needs to know you? Someone I work with? We pray accordingly, according to Scripture. Scripture guided his praying. Scripture needs to guide our praying as well. So we need to remember God is sovereign over rulers, like Daniel. Be Scripture led. The next kind of point, the next point on the list. Uh, this prayer comes from brokenness and fasting. I want you to see this. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. So following him, reading scripture, getting an understanding, verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He was broken, like sackcloth and ashes. We don't, we don't really do that anymore. Sackcloth, I guess it was like a rough garment, that people would put on when they were broken. And they would put like ashes on their heads so everyone would see them. Oh, what's going on? You're like something's going on in your life. You are broken for something, like because of the clothes that you're wearing, because of how you are keeping yourself. Daniel was broken for the nation, he was broken for Jerusalem and Judah. He showed up by his outward appearance we also just see his brokenness his desperation and his prayer as he goes through if you just look verse 4 he says oh lord verse 7 oh lord verse 8 o lord that oh lord it is crying out it's like entreating himself it's bowing down it's a desperate cry he's broken for the nation he's showing it with sackcloth and ashes but we, we don't wear sackcloth right so what does that look like for us i was thinking like what does brokenness look like for us i think one it's like in our schedules we start canceling events we're like clear the schedule i'm not do i'm not going to go do what i normally do we don't put on sackcloth but i don't think we we des- necessarily dress ourselves up like if, if you're broken if you're hurting if you're mourning you don't, you're not putting on your best. You're just kind of putting on whatever. It, it could be, I don't know, at times you go through something really hard, you're just staying in your pajamas. So I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, are college students in, in mourning? Are they broken before the Lord? Just show, that's where my mind went for a moment. But just, just think about this. How do we show our brokenness? What does it look like? But maybe the question I want to ask you, have you been broken because of our nation yet? Have you come to a point where you're like, your tears have fallen. You're like, you're not sure what to do. You're like, I don't really know what I want to do today. I don't really want to keep going because you feel the weight, the darkness of the nation. Have you felt it? Have you been broken for Canada yet? And brokenness, friends, is a blessing from the Lord. It actually is a blessing from God, right? Like if we can see and experience things that are happening in our nation and we just, a tear doesn't even drop from our eyes and we just carry on, we're actually our hearts are getting hardened. And it's a blessing from God if it actually it, it pierces us, it hurts us, it kind of drops us, it takes us out. And of course we can't continually stay in that place. We wouldn't move. But there's a brokenness that we need to feel and experience for what has happened in Canada. So what did he pray? He prayed with, not only with brokenness, but with fasting as well, right? There in in 9 verse 3, he was seeking God by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel was, he wasn't eating a meal, he wasn't eating food to be focused more on prayer and seeking the Lord. Fasting, again, simply depriving oneself of the physical need of eating to focus on spiritual matters, Praying. So Daniel was led by Scripture. He was praying with brokenness and fasting. I think this is the type of prayer that we need to have, led by Scripture. We need to be broken before the Lord, fasting, missing a meal to pray. Continue to add to this list, we see Daniel also, he had a personal relationship with God. Look at verse 4, the start of verse 4 with me. Daniel writes, I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession. He said, I prayed to the Lord, my God. A small thing, I just want to point that out with you. Daniel's like, yes, this is my God I'm praying to. Daniel walked with God. We know uh, from what he says previous in his book, he prayed three times a day. He lived for him. His life witness and how he acted is very clear. He was used by God to write the book we have in front of us. Even in in this passage here in in chapter 9, in this prayer, he uses the, the name for God, the personal covenant name, Lord, all capital, Yahweh. He uses it seven times in this prayer. It's not used any other place in this book. He's crying out to the Lord, the covenant God that is his. Eugene Carpenter notes this, and all Daniel references God 26 times in his prayer. The personal address of God by Daniel makes this prayer one of the most intimate prayers in the Old Testament. So Daniel can say, the Lord, my God. How can we say, my God? I've, I've talked to many people. They're like, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in God. This general, nebulous God is out there somewhere. Or, or it can be even like you, you, you're there. Maybe you're coming even here this morning. You're like, yeah, my, my parents, God. Or my husband's God, my like, I don't have the same faith. The other, I can't say my God. How can we say my God? Of course, through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? We'll be celebrating soon the birth of Jesus, the miraculous birth in which Jesus came to earth, how he was born. We celebrate that, but we know that even as he was born, he came to die and to die on the cross. To die on the cross for our sins, for our wrongdoing, uh, for our rebellion against God's ways. That no one is like, hey, yeah, I can, I can just do whatever I want and me and God are good. No, when we do whatever we want, we sin and sin separates us from God. But because God loves us so much, he sent Jesus. So we, if whoever would believe and trust in him would be forgiven, would have peace with God. Because we we know, right, we cannot earn God's favor. We cannot do enough good deeds to meet His holy, perfect standard. And so even if you're hearing this today and you can't really say, you can't say, my God, then the only prayer you need to pray is is confess your sins before God and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And say, God, I want to follow you. Can you forgive me? And that's how He becomes your God in following Him. Again, we're reminded there are no self-made Christians. We're all built by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's why we can pray. Because we have a personal relationship with God. We can go to God with our prayers, with our burdens, with the weights of life, the ills of our society and the country we live in. Because we have a personal relationship with Him. So Daniel had that. He was led by Scripture. He was broken. He was fasting and prayer, he had a relationship with God, then what's the next kind of part on the list? We see Daniel, he was repenting for the sins of the nation. From verses 5 to 14, Daniel was repenting. Just look at with me verses 5 to 7. Daniel says this, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Verse 6, we... Have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, to all the people of the land. Verse 7. To you, O Lord, belong righteousness, but to us open shame. And I could continue reading on, but just knows Daniel is including himself as he's repenting. We have sinned. And I think this is the shocking thing in this passage. We're talking again about Daniel, the one who wrote the book, the one who prayed three times a day, like Daniel in the lion den. Daniel who's preserved and watched over by God, Daniel. And yet we see him repenting for the sins of the people, sins that he did not commit. He is praying for the nation, but first he's confessing sins for the nation. What would that look like for us? I'm not talking about guilt for past wrongs done in our nation that we took no part in. I'm not talking about feeling bad uh, for your race or your place in society. But I'm saying again, as we look at this country, as we see what is happening, we start to say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, that we have a culture of death that we kill the youngest to the oldest. Forgive us, O Lord, that we, ha- we do not care about life as we should, that everyone's made in the image and likeness of God. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive us for legalizing drugs and normalizing its use. Have mercy on us, O God. Forgive us that we've turned from you as the hope of our nation, that we used to have churches that were the center of cities, and, and, and now we just we push faith off to the side we put faith in ourselves forgive us that we are we seemingly think we are self-sufficient that we built this country on our own forgive us lord our pride forgive us for throwing truth out for diminishing marriage and making a joke of sexual union and purity Like, oh, oh God, there's such a darkness in this nation, and Lord, we have brought this darkness upon ourselves. Forgive us, oh Lord, have mercy. But honestly, really, like as you continue to hear new and new things happening, and, and it causes us at times to shake our heads, but the next thing should be, Lord, forgive us. We need to see Daniel and follow his pattern, repent for the sins of our nation, which are many. And I think the, the only reason maybe we can do that is I think this next point, we need to have a proper understanding of judgment for sin. That's, that's the key. A proper understanding of judgment for sin. Look at verse 5 with me. Daniel here, he lists four different ways in which the nation has sinned. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. The first one he uses for sin, it talks about missing the mark. As in perfection, as in God is perfect and we do not meet his holy standard. And it's not like, ah, oh, we're almost there. It's we miss it by a mile. It's like, and I've used the example before, It's it's basically like God's holiness, his holy standard, it's like, Say, uh, jumping from this side of the Atlantic into Great Britain. And some people are going to be able to jump further than the next person, like I'm farther than you, like we're all in the ocean, nobody's close. We've all missed the mark. That's, the, that's that, that word there. They've committed iniquities, they brought guilt upon themselves. These other two terms divide, uh, describing sin. In the last one, they rebelled against the Lord. And we know that one all too well, that me, myself, and I. If it's God's ways, this way, thank you very much. I'm going to go my way. And we all know this. We all see this. And Daniel even kind of extrapolates, gives greater detail to the sins of the nation. Look at verse 11. Daniel says this, All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. The curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses. Daniel's referring to Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. There's these, the blessings and curses that were given to Israel. If you obey, there's blessings. Your crop in the right season, there's, you will be the leader among many nations, blessing within your families to your children's children. But if you don't obey, there is these curses listed there. And actually, again, if you want to understand what the prophets are saying to the nations of Israel, Judah, look at uh, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. And even look at what happens in the history as they disobey God's curse is poured upon them. Stephen Miller kind of summarizes the list. It included poor crops, infertility, disease, lack of rain, defeat before enemies, and of course, The most horrible one is being kicked out of the land. What should happen to them? But God was so kind and merciful, that's why we have the prophets. Before the the Israelites were kicked out, before Judah was kicked out, prophet after prophet would come and say, you need to repent. You're not walking in God's ways. You need to turn back to him. He will forgive you. Prophet after prophet would come, but they turned away from God's prophets. They turned away from God's prophets. Word and eventually judgment came because God is just and He punishes sin. Like we we need to know that, right? We see that all throughout the Bible when the flood happens and there's only eight people who are saved and everybody else there perishes. It's God's judgment on the world. God is just; He punishes sin. We in Sodom and Gomorrah, this sexually perverse. Uh, community. And God destroys it. He brings sin upon that nation. And so the thing is, as we look at Canada, we shouldn't say like, well, why judgment? We just say, how come judgment hasn't already come in its fullness? That God is so merciful and he's so kind. Amazing he allows us to continue. But I I do believe that This country is already in God's judgment, not in its fullness. He's actually allowing people to run after whatever they want. He's allowing people to run after their sin. Sexual promiscuity is only increasing. Sexual confusion. I I, I think there's an increase in the demonic. Even even just like watching movies. Movies. And I don't really go to see many movies, but I went to go see this movie this summer, and the, one of the trailers was for the newest Exorcist. And of course, like, yeah, big surprise, it's about demonic, uh, about people being demon-possessed. Friends, I had to like close my ears. I had to look away. It was so blasphemous. This is our entertainment. And in God's kindness, He doesn't just wipe us out. But we're stacking sin upon sin. We're a society that has embraced atheism. In our universities, our highest places of learning, we're like, yeah, we pushed God out. We now hold the truth. We see the fruit of that within our country. Our country is steeped in sin. It deserves God's judgment today. And it's only because of his kindness. That we have not yet received it fully. Yet. But we, we all get this, though, right? We get we get because we have Romans 3 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us here, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. But because of God's mercy and his kindness, we're forgiven. Because of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf, we are made new. And yet, so we know God is so kind, He's so merciful. So I think like Daniel, though, we need a biblical understanding of sin. And as we have a biblical understanding of sin and we look at what's happening in our nation, it needs to drive us to go to the Lord and cry out for his mercy. But first, I think a helpful reminder, even as we go to cry out to him, is the next point, next thing to remember, remember what God has done in the past even as we're crying out for him now and in the future. Look at verse 15 with me. And Daniel prays, Now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself. Interesting, Daniel, he's in Babylon, and he's talking about the people returning, and as he's praying, he's referring to God who brought the people out of Egypt. Again, you guys remember this story well, right? The people... Uh, the Hebrews were in Egypt. They were slaves before Pharaoh. At that time, that was the, the strongest nation that existed Egypt, in all its glory. And God, using Moses, right, the ten plagues, decimated that country, showing that the Lord, Yahweh, is God, not the nation, Egypt. Even to the extent of, right, when He took them out of Egypt and they came to the Red Sea and the Egyptian armies behind them, and God parted the waters and brought them through on dry land. Yahweh is God. Amazing. And then in the desert for 40 years as he fed the manna water from the rock, all that is tied in with the God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember what the Lord did before. Often as we read in the Scriptures continually, the prophets, the Psalms, they're always looking back. They're always remembering what God has done. And friends, I want to remind you, do you know what God has done in the past in the history of the church? I just want to bring a few things before you, a a little bit more I'll I'll share even next week. Do you know about the first Great Awakening, it's called? It happened in Great Britain, it happened in America, happened during the 1700s. People who are famous for it, like John Wesley, like George Whitefield, jonathan edwards it was a time in america though like where pilgrims had come and they they came and they set up uh colonies and they kind of grew rich they were blessed in their ways and kind of the next generation maybe didn't care as much about the lord though they had the structure intact and there's this preaching of these people that god used so greatly to save thousands upon thousands and not only to like to stir the church but it started spreading to the society the first great awakening, interesting, Benjamin Franklin. I have this little document here. Just want to share it with you. Benjamin Franklin was fascinated with George Whitfield's speaking ability and the effects his teaching had on the people. Though Franklin never openly became a Christian himself, he did become a friend of Whitfield's and his publisher in America. He was impressed with the change Whitfield's gospel preaching brought on society. Franklin wrote that it was wonderful to see the change soon made in the manners of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless or indifferent about religion, it seemed as if all the world were growing religious so that no one could walk through the town in the evening without hearing psalms sung in different families or every street. Learn about the history of the Great Awakening. I don't know if you've heard another one about the Welsh revival of 1905 that took place in Wales. One of the uh, major uh, guys there, Evan Roberts, they, they estimate maybe 100,000 people came to the Lord during that time. Of course, it starts in the churches and spreads out, but it, amazing the effect it had on society. Bars closed down, like so many bars, so many taverns just shut down. Nobody came. Judges had no cases to try. The work in the mind slowed down, like it basically came to a stop. Because the the miners before, they were using all these curse words in which to get the mules to pull everything. As they got saved, they could no longer speak that way. The mules didn't understand them. (laughs) Seriously. So things just like stopped until finally the mules figured out, oh, they're using something different to tell us to go. Imagine if the Lord could do that. This is what God's done in the past. And you're like, okay, it's far away. It's across the sea. What about what the Lord has done here? The revival that swept through Western Canada that started in Saskatoon in 1971. Do you know about this? I'll again put it before you. You should read the book Flames of Freedom by Erwin Lutzer. Get a copy. Of course, it's like way out of print. It costs a lot of money to get the actual book. You can get it for a Kindle for like $1. And think about all the other Silly things that we watch on our screens, but you can read this book, the account of the revival that happened in Western Canada in the 70s. Flames of Freedom by Erwin Lutzer. I would encourage you to do that. Just a few things that happened from that revival. There's there's two brothers who are so against one another in the church. They would go in through other doors. They would never see each other eye to eye after 13 years of being in such bitterness, such fighting. God moved in both of their hearts, broke them, and they came together. They're reconciled. Broken marriages that have been a part of divorce about to happen, God brought back together again. There was an intense conviction of sin. Like, where people who were at the meetings, then they had to go back to, say, like Safeway or grocery stores where they're undercharged for what had been given to them. And they're like, yeah, you, you charge me like 20 cents less for my oranges or whatever, and I have to pay you. Because our God is one of truth and integrity, and I gotta make things right. And some people in the grocery stores were like, What is happening? You're like the seventh person today who's coming and doing this. And not because of legalism, but because it's the Holy Spirit, and He calls us to be holy. Get a copy and read. God did this in Western Canada not too long ago. Can He do it again? It happened in the church. It spilled off into the society. We need to know what God has done in the past. Continuing on this list, we need to focus on God's character. Daniel, just starting there in verse 4, he says, I prayed to the Lord my God, made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God. The great and awesome God. He doesn't say a great and awesome God. He says the great As in the only one. Not a God among many, the only one. He's great and awesome. Think in terms of creation, speaking everything into existence, being sovereign over all things. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. That is our God. Awesome in the sense of the way that we used to say it, that it drops your jaw, that there's awe given to Him who is on the throne. Jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring. Continuing on, this God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Steadfast love, the word, Hebrew word hesed, God's loyal love. God's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word. His love is faithful. He's faithful to his people who are called by his name. So we go to him in prayer. In verse nine, it says this about to the Lord. To the Lord our God belong mercy, mercy, and forgiveness mercy and forgiveness compassion and pardon god is kind and compassionate he's ready to forgive all who seek his mercy amen this is a testimony of every christian right they're like yeah people are like god's like up there he's just waiting to like crush people like no that's not been what i found out i found out that anyone who calls upon the name of the lord receives kindness and mercy and forgiveness And so the more we know about God's character, yes, he is just, he judges sin, but he's kind and he's merciful and he's compassionate. And so then we want to appeal to God's mercy. Crying out to him. So we see this, this last point, we want to cry out for God's mercy. Verse 17 and 18, just look at that with me for a moment. Daniel, as he cries out, now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. For your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations, the city that's called by your name, for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. I think that's the key as we pray, as we cry out to the Lord. We're not saying, hey, Lord, because I have done all these things, because look at me. We're saying, no, no, Lord, because of who you are. Because of your mercy, because of your kindness, because of your compassion. That is why we're crying out to you. As Daniel did, that's how we need to pray. And look at his desperate plea in verse 19. Daniel cries out, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. I love that. In the the rest of chapter 9, we don't have time to go through there, there is an an immediate answer that actually has more to do with the rest of days, the end of days. i just say this, I believe it's a literal day's I think it ends with Christ's second coming. I just sat in on Mark's class there for a moment, and Mark was taking people a little bit through some of the intricacy of that Daniel chapter 9. But I also just want to point this out. What Daniel was originally praying for, right? He read, after 70 years, it seems like the people are going to be restored. That's what led him in prayer in the first place. Those prayers of Daniel, crying out to God, were also answered. There's an answer that comes to him. I just want to show you this. In Second Chronicles, twenty-six. Sorry, Second Chronicles thirty-six, the end of the book of Second Chronicles, twenty-two to twenty-three. It says, says this. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that's why I'd make the argument that Darius and Cyrus are are the same names. Are they different names? Maybe one's a nickname, maybe one's his throne name. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. Amazing, I love it. A pagan king used to answer God's prayer, the prayers of Daniel, what was foretold in Jeremiah. God answered Daniel's prayer. Friends, yeah, we don't have this like, this guarantee that is spoken of in Canada that the Lord will maybe uh, do such a work, but we do have in church history where God before at times has been so kind to change a society. I truly believe as I read scripture, it looks like things are gonna get darker. I don't think it's just gonna be this mass change, but God in his mercy could change things uh, in the foreseeable future, that more people could be saved, that he could actually maybe stop the decay of this society. But I think it will continue on. But if we cry out to Him, watch what God will we can do. Look what He's done in the past. And so, think in terms of Canada. Can we pray for Canada? Can we cry out for our nation, knowing God is sovereign over all? Having our our prayers Scripture led, can we be broken for our nation? Prayer and fasting. Through a personal relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, with a proper understanding of sin and God's judgment, can we confess the sins of our nation, sins that we're not even guilty for, on behalf of Canada? And I think the big thing can we be encouraged and spurred on by what God has done in the past? Learn more what God has done. Lord, can you do it again? We can't force your hand, we can't make you do it, God, out of your kindness. Think about it. More and more people are praying and asking the Lord to do that. I pray that this message for some of you, maybe it's just a little spark. Just a little spark. Just think about this. Can you pray for Canada? For some of you, who already are praying. I pray your fire would grow bigger. I pray it would be contagious for other people. We've, we've made these cards. How can you apply this message? Pray for Canada. I, I hope, grab one, put it in your Bible. Pray for Canada. Very simple. Ask God to forgive the sins of our nation. Ask God to humble our nation as he sees fit. Ask God to turn the hearts of our nation to him. And then what you can also do, take an extra card and give it to a brother or sister that's not from this church and say, hey, will you commit to pray for Canada? Think about more and more people crying out for our nation. God in his mercy. Friends, what else are you going to do? We can harden our hearts and say, ah, oh, whatever, I'm, I'm going to move to the States. I'm going to move somewhere else. This is our time. We'll we be a faithful witness. I'll just close with this. The national anthem. You know this well of Canada. It was a hymn. Of course, as many of the stanzas we do not sing. You'll see if you're familiar with this one. I, of course, I wasn't. I had to, I looked it up. But it says this. This is one of the stanzas. Ruler supreme who hears humble prayer, hold our dominion within thy loving care. Help us to find, O God, in thee a lasting rich reward as waiting for the better day we ever stand on guard. God, keep our land glorious and free. As Daniel says there in verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. May you bow with me as I Close this word in prayer. Oh Lord, God, I pray you would stir our hearts to persevering prayer. I pray, Lord, you would give us faith not in our country, but in you. Lord, we've been so blessed to enjoy the fruits of of those who went before us in this country. We've been so blessed with the freedoms we've had to uh, to just love our husbands, love our wives, to earn our own living, to raise up our children. Oh, Lord, have mercy on this country, Lord. We're so grateful uh, just for the freedom that we do have. But, God, we see our sins. We see the sins we're piling up. And, oh, God, forgive us, but, Lord, change us. And, of course, Lord, as we're asking, Lord, first change each one of us. Purify our hearts, oh, Lord, as you are pure. And, oh, God, may you, just, may you have mercy. We deserve judgment. We deserve wrath. But in your kindness, Lord, can you change many people? May you draw many people to yourself. Oh, Lord, have mercy on Canada, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.